Welcome back to Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I am your not-so-anonymous host. So the conversation I'm sharing with you today, I'm chatting with my friend Kat, who I found really early on in my sort of Instagram grief journey. I think I found her through her Widow's Lost and Found account. And something about Kat resonated with me. I think it was multifaceted. One was that her husband died right around the same time as mine did. Another was that I could tell she was traveling, which is a big thing for me in terms of how I sort of process and handle my grief. And then the last thing is that she lives in Chicago like I do. And I messaged her immediately when I found out she was in Chicago because I hadn't I didn't know any other young widows except for one friend of a friend. So I'm pretty sure I reached out to her instantly and was like, oh my gosh, you live in Chicago, so do I. Let's get together and chat. And she was super gracious and said yes to that. And we met in person and it was great. When I was meeting with Kat in person, I realized that she has a very unique story. She's really young. She was widowed at the age of 25, but for some reason, I don't know if you find this to be true, like my age is almost irrelevant in the widow space like in the world i get it i'm still in my very very late 30s but in the widow space i feel like there's you do this different thing where you're like how many years has it been since your person died so even though kat and i are like 15 years apart in age i felt very connected with her because we were sort of in sync with how long it had been since our husbands had died so after meeting with her in person i was like I think you're perfect for the podcast because your story is unique and interesting. It was very evident to me that she had changed a lot and I wanted to talk to her more about that. So here is the episode with Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. We did it. (laughs) We did it. Um, From Chicago all the way to Greece. Yes. Oh my gosh. I've been watching on Instagram. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I was Uh, just, I was on a, I was on a work call right before this and I was complaining about, I left the windows open a little too long today and some mosquitoes came in and I was complaining about mosquitoes and my boss was like, oh yeah, poor you, you're in Greece. I was like, yeah, okay, good point. You're right. (laughs) I'll stop. Um, Do you have a return home ticket or are you just there indefinitely? I have a return home ticket, so I'm only here for a month. So last time I was here, I was here for a month and about two weeks in, the idea of going back to Chicago winter just made me so sad. And so I I extended my trip and I ended up staying for two months. This time I'm set. It's four weeks. It is what it is. I have some other trips planned after this. So I will come home. I promise. Okay. (laughs) You don't have to promise me, but maybe (laughs) your family. Right. Um, Okay. So let's start at the beginning. So for the listener's sake, you and I have actually hung out in person, which is exciting. We have. Yes. Yes. Because we live in the same city. Um, So, okay. Can you start by telling us about Michael and your marriage? Yes. So I moved to Chicago in 2019 um, to work for a church. And when I moved there, I was just really ready for some sort of serious committed relationship. And so I joined some dating apps with that in mind. Um, Michael had also been on dating apps with the same thing in mind. He had said he was ready to share his life with somebody. He was done being single. He wanted somebody to do life with. Um, And so I moved in February again of 2019. We met in April of 2019. Um, We were engaged December 2019 and we got married June of 2020. Um, Our original wedding 
date was June 6th, 2020, and we kept it on the 6th, um, but we were supposed to have, you know, a huge wedding at a church and all of our friends and family there. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And so yeah. um, we we had a much smaller wedding. We had a backyard ceremony at his parents' house. Um, we had, you know, 10 or so friends and family there, um, which was lovely and perfect and like a fairy tale. And mm. I got... I got to design it and a couple weeks before buying all the furniture off Facebook Marketplace so that the backyard would be like dressed up perfectly. <laughs> oh, <and> cute. <laughs> yes, it was very, very cute. Um, so that was June 2020. And then in February of 2021, um, we bought a house. So we mm. moved, we were in the suburbs of Chicago and we moved into the city um, in this house. We closed, I think, February 5th or something like that. Uh, moved in on the 6th, and then um, Michael actually passed away from COVID on the 21st of February. Ugh. So it was just a few weeks after you moved into the city. Yes. So we had yeah. lived in that apartment not even two weeks. Yeah. Wow. And we were we were both sick in bed the whole time. So all in all, how long were you together? We were together less than two years. We didn't make it. Mm. He didn't make it to our two-year anniversary. Yeah. I mean, that so far in the people I have interviewed for the podcast is really unique. So I've, I've done a lot of interviews with people who have been with their person for all, many, many years or grew up yeah. together with them. So um, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this because I know I get messages from people who say like, it's really different, you know, especially yeah. if you've already done the dating thing and all of that. Yeah. It's really different also because, I mean, we were 25 when he died. Yeah. So um, even just the age, like even if we had been together for, you know, 10 years, like mm -hmm. I, I'm just so young. Like I, yeah. when he died, like I remember thinking so clearly, like I am too young to be a widow. Like he can't be dead because... I'm too young to be a widow. Like, it just didn't make sense. It didn't compute. Yeah. So you're 27 now? I am. Yeah. Aside from just being young, like, how do you feel like having this very short, I mean, relatively, right, short relationship and marriage has affected you in the aftermath? Yeah, it was very short. I think I think a lot of people after loss deal with dissociation, um, just like not believing that what happened to you is true is real mm -hmm. life. Um, yeah. I think I struggle with that, especially because our relationship was so short. So mm -hmm. not only does it feel fake that he died, but often it feels fake that we were ever together at all. Yeah. Like, it just feels so hard to believe because we only had so little time together. Yeah. Yeah. And like you could just sort of compartmentalize it in a way. Yeah. Right. Mm. It's like a, like, a, think about like a bad relationship that you had that you've just sort of blocked out. And yeah. like, sometimes you look back at your life and you're like, oh yeah, I dated that guy for a couple months. Like, yeah, it's like, I fear that that's going to happen. Like, I know that it won't yeah. because like, he's my husband, he's the love of my life, he's my partner, but there's still just the disconnection from it because it was so short and so brief. Do you ever feel like pressure to be the one to carry on his legacy even oh, though you were just gosh, together yes. for it? Yes. So especially, I, I've thought about this a lot with like friends. So Michael and I both were really intentional about like mentorship. And um, we had a lot of friends who were a lot younger than us so that we could, you know, pour into their lives and like help them grow up and be the people that they wanted to be and whatever else. And so there's a lot of kids that Michael was a mentor to that I feel this immense pressure to stay connected to. And I haven't. Mm. And so mm -hmm. I have this like looming like dread over like, oh, you didn't text so-and-so or like, 
oh, their birthday came and went and you didn't say anything. And like, I'm the only one. And like, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not reasonable of me to expect this of myself, but I absolutely do. And what about in terms of like, um, so when my husband died, I felt like maybe because we have kids together and it's such a long marriage, we were married for 14 years. I felt like I was the grief winner. <laughs> like yeah. I got to grieve the most and I was the epicenter of all of his grief. Um, how does that dynamic play out in terms of his family and all of that for you? Yeah, his family has been so gracious. Um, so as I'm saying this, if they are listening, I hope they know that I do not feel any of this from them. Yeah, But I absolutely feel like with his sister, especially that I'm not allowed to grieve bigger than she is because they Mm. grew up together. They knew each other their whole lives. Like his entire life was spent with his sister and most of her life was spent with her younger brother. And so, yeah. And I knew him for two years. Um, I've talked to Monica about it like significantly and in depth and we've become very close, but she has said like that the whole family supports me in my grief and like they know that the version of Michael that I knew is a different version than who they knew and they know that you know I got not a more real version but just like a more real life version like I had a less like there's a lot of like history and whatever with family relationships and that just is what it is and so they knew that they knew that my relationship with him is is different than theirs and they respect that and they allow me to have whatever grief that I have but it doesn't change in my head or in myself like just this feeling of like that I'm not qualified I don't know to grieve the biggest yeah Yeah. and I try to remind myself like there is no comparison there's not yeah I was just gonna say that yeah right but it's a silly thing to do but our brains still do it yeah yeah and I get protective of my grief because of it so I've told Monica my sister-in-law like it's really hard for me to share with her my grief because I feel like she gets to have more grief. And so it's hard for me to share it. But then, you know, she says it's very important for her to share, like for us, the two of us to share grief, because for her as the surviving sibling, like she wants to keep his memory alive and talking to people who knew him and loved him really helps her. And so we're kind of battling these like opposite desires in our grief, which is difficult too. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Okay, so you and Michael were both involved in the church. Is that right? Yes, yes. And so can you talk to me a little bit about how that has changed for you after his death? All right. So this is one of those times where in the middle of the interview, I asked Kat a question that I was personally really interested in. But in editing and listening back to the conversation, I realized like, yeah, this is interesting, but it's not really on topic and isn't necessarily relevant to everybody. So under normal circumstances, I would just cut this part of the conversation out and you just wouldn't hear it. However, now that we have this Patreon platform, I'm going to just take this little section where Kat answers that question and I'll toss it up on the Patreon in case that's interesting to you. So I'm like genuinely not trying to just sell you Patreon. I really want to provide stuff that's helpful or useful or feels like some sort of benefit for your financial support of the podcast. But um, this seems like a perfect outlet since I would have just cut it and trashed it anyway. So if you're interested, you can check it out there. So this next question might sound a little abrupt, but it made sense in context. Anyway, let's just keep going. Okay. Um, Did you know or did you live a bisexual lifestyle before you married Michael? 
a little. Um, okay. So when I married Michael, when when Michael and I started dating, um, I told him on our very first date, like, hey, I'm bisexual. Um, I have reconciled this with my faith. I know that you're a Christian. I don't know if I don't know what you believe, um, but it's very important to me that I'm able to be bisexual and that you're okay with that. And he was, we talked about it um, extensively on our first date. What did that mean for your relationship? Yeah. So um, just that he would know that I'm attracted to men and women. Um, We had a, yeah, we had a committed monogamous relationship, so we were not open. Um, But I had been on other dates with other men who got angry at me on the first date to say Mm -hmm. that I was bisexual because they thought that I was I don't know, lying to them, leading them astray, whatever, because I said I was Christian and I said I was bisexual. And they were like, that can't be possible. I was like, (laughs) okay, you're not the one for me then. Yeah. So, yeah. So like with Michael on the very first date, we kind of got that out of the way. And then a little later into our dating relationship, I remember it so vividly. We were in his car at night after a date, like back at the apartment, talking about Essentially, we had all these kids that we were mentoring, teenagers, that like we were like speaking into their lives. We were helping them grow their faith, et cetera. And I was worried that we had these like fundamentally different beliefs about sexuality. Um, you and so Michael? I, or you yeah, and the kids? Me and Michael. So okay. I was worried that someday we were going to be asked to do premarital counseling for one of the teenagers that we were mentoring. And yeah. I was going to say this about sexuality and Michael was going to say the opposite. And yeah. I was worried that that was going to be a deal breaker in our relationship. Again, we were just dating at this point. We weren't married. Yeah. Um, and Michael so, so effortlessly just said like, it's not a problem. It's not a deal breaker. Like yeah. um, he didn't believe he wasn't at that point affirming. He didn't believe in it enough to say, yeah, that's a hill I'm going to die on. He essentially <laughs> in our marriage, in our relationship, let me be the leader for that particular issue. And there were mm-hmm. other issues that I let him be the leader in. Um, he was very, very passionate about Black Lives Matter, about diversity, about anti-gentrification and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I let mm-hmm. him be the leader in those issues. And um, yeah. whatever he believed, we came together in unity and that's what we believe together and vice versa. So I think that's um, really a, a beautiful testament to like a equitable marriage. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody's bringing their own thing and and then you come together. Yeah. So for me, being in a, you know, committed, monogamous, heterosexual relationship just looked like Michael embracing and allowing me to be bisexual. So we went to pride Mm -hmm. parades. We celebrated pride together. um, We would point out women that I thought were attractive. And we joked, like we were in an airport one day in the middle of a conversation and I just like totally spaced out. And he was like, what just happened? I was like, I'm sorry, that waitress is so pretty. So <laughs> stuff like that. Like yeah. he, he knew I was madly in love with him and only wanted to be with him. And we acknowledged like, like he's attracted to other women. I'm attracted to other women and men. Yeah. So when did you start to entertain the idea of being with other people or dating again after Michael died? It just sort of happened accidentally. So I was on a trip with a friend. Um, it was that. actually, <laughs> yeah, it was actually a trip that I was supposed to take with Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of my friends went on the trip with me, and we were at a bar. And this guy kind of behind me was like kind of cute. And my friend was saying, you know, if we weren't together, I think maybe he'd hit on you. And I looked over my shoulder and saw him, and I was like, oh, I think I would let him hit on me. Mm. And um, we ended up like 
talking like he was with another group of friends and it was me and my friend and we sort of like got absorbed into their group for the rest of the night and um, flirted quite a bit throughout the night and then ended up hanging out the next day. Um, And the day after that, we ended up getting breakfast before I had to get my flight from the airport. Um, And it was all very like cute and innocent and yeah, yeah, like just adorable. Like it, it was just very wholesome. Um, And at the very end of the trip, right before I had to leave to go to the airport, we kissed a little like mm. <laughs> a little. And I remember calling my friend. Her flight Sounds was a couple like hours. School. Exactly. Her <laughs> flight was a couple hours before mine. And I called and I was like, yeah, like we kissed. And she was like, oh my gosh, like how did it feel? And I said, yeah. you know, it's weird. I think Michael would be proud of me. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking Michael would be so proud of you. Oh. And Michael is just like such a big fan of me and such a big supporter like I just I knew that Michael would be so proud that I put myself out there that I made a new friend like regardless of if it was romantic or not that I made a new friend and um that that it went somewhere like that we kissed I think Michael would be thrilled for me um so that was kind of my first step into the dating idea um and it was not like I'm looking for someone I'm still absolutely not looking for a person like Michael was my person and yeah. I'm not ready to find my person now. Yeah. Um, but that was a nice introduction. That that's, I'm not sure why, but I really wanted to cry listening to that. <laughs> Isn't it and so it, sweet? It's so sweet. And also just like that idea that you could instantly feel like he would be proud of me instead of like, just like releasing yourself of the guilt and any yeah. shame that people feel and just like harnessing that idea. Because I think it, when all of us think about it at the end of the day, that's really what the emotion would be of our people. Like, yeah. do we really think that our people are like, oh, I want them to be lonely and sad forever? No. Obviously not. Yeah. Right. So just like that, that's the attitude that you all had. Like, yes, yeah. I'm proud of me and he would be proud of me. And yeah, like, exactly. And I won't say that I've never felt that like guilty, like, whatever like yeah. oh my gosh like the first time I had sex after Michael died like I I lost it like there was so okay. much guilt and I talked to my therapist about it a lot I talked to some friends and whatever and like have worked through it and there's a lot less of the guilt there's also like the underlying layers of like the church history that adds to that and whatever yeah, else so like I'm not saying the, the guilt is not there but I I try to remember that first kiss after and remember that feeling of Michael would be thrilled of where I am. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you feel like having been married, not again, this is sort of a comparative statement, so we can only speak from our own truth, but like, do you feel like maybe you feel less guilt since you're younger and your marriage was shorter than maybe somebody who's in their forties or had a longer marriage or kids or any of that? It's absolutely possible. I think for the most part, I... I don't know. I think I feel a lot of pressure to move on and to find someone else because I'm oh, so young. Interesting. Like um, that, yeah. Whereas I see, like, I look at stories of, I forget if I've told you this before, but I see stories of like women who lost their husbands. Um, mostly this is the story I'm saying. So I, I apologize that it's heteronormative, but women who lost okay. their husband and yeah. never remarry and they actually mm-hmm. like die having never remarried. And I find yeah. that so encouraging and so beautiful Mm. and romantic and lovely and empowering. Mm -hmm. Like 
I hang on to those stories. I hang hope on those stories way more than the stories of women who have remarried and found love again and found their person again or whatever. Like those, I don't know, I have trouble getting excited for those stories. Whereas Mm. the people who never quote unquote move on, like that is so gorgeous to me. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I think it's they loved their person. They love present tense, their person so much that they don't want like there is no filling that void. Like they would rather be by themselves. They would rather be independent or single or whatever it is. I can't speak for them. But for yeah. me, what I see is they would rather fill that with themselves than with someone else mm. um, or with the memory of their person than with a new person. Not that that's what people who remarry are doing. That's not what I'm yeah. saying at all. That's what I was just going to say is like, this is so wild because it's like so different for everybody and beautiful in lots of different versions. Yeah, exactly. So, And I I think it's awesome when people that we as humans have capacity to love again, like that we have the capacity to fall in love with someone to decide this is my person. I want to be with them for the rest of my life. And then to do it all over again for whatever reason. I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I think it's incredible to choose not to do that. Yeah. I had put this on, I think on my personal page once, but when I was a little kid, my dad, I remember I used to do this thing where he'd say, I love you. And I'd say, I love you more. And he'd be like, it's not a competition. You know, we all have an infinite capacity to love the same amount. And I will never forget that. And I just feel like that really like stays with me, right? We have an infinite capacity to love. Yeah. You just keep adding. It's okay. Right. Um, okay. So you're in Greece. I am. Can you tell us the story of like what happened the first time you were there? Yes, and why I can. You're back? <laughs> so in Widows Lost and Found, which is an um, online community for widows that I run. Um, oh, yeah. Wait. Can you tell us a little more about that? So Widows Lost and Found is a place for those who've lost their person to find community. We are an online only group. Um, we're hosted on Discord. And then I also have the Instagram page. Um, and we, it's, it's essentially a group chat for all of your best widow friends. Um, so that you can share about your life, share what's going on in that group. Nico, who is, um, affectionately known as Greek boyfriend in widows lost and found. So (laughs) I will refer to him here forward as Greek boyfriend. Um, but he has made several appearances in the group chat to say, um, you know, we have different like channels. He's not, no. Oh, okay. So Um, We have different channels for different topics. So there's a channel for dating again. So I only Mm. share about Greek boyfriend and dating again, because anybody who's not dating again, I don't want to trigger them. I don't want to stress people out by sharing about my dating relationship or whatever else. So in dating again, I have every now and then shared like, here's the dinner that Greek boyfriend made for me and things like that. So (laughs) that's both. That's a taste of Widows Lost and Found and of Greek boyfriend. Perfect. So when I was here in December, it was December 2021. I came to escape Christmas. Um, I could not imagine the idea of celebrating when Michael mm-hmm. had just died. I was yeah. 10 months out at that point. Um, Christmas was my favorite. Like, I loved it. I would decorate the house. Michael and I went crazy buying gifts for each other mm. um, the first year that we had to, like, set a, a spending limit the second year. So we had two Christmases mm-hmm. together. Um, the first Christmas we had together, we got engaged. And then the next Christmas was our first Christmas married. And we actually went to my parents' house and spent two weeks there. So it was awesome. Like we spent two weeks with my family, not working, just enjoying the holidays. So Christmas was a big deal. I couldn't do it without him. There was no way. And so I 
ran away to Greece. I got an Airbnb. Um, I had some money from the life insurance and there was a GoFundMe that was really successful and Michael died. So I had a little extra cash. Um, so I up and away stayed in Piraeus, which is a little seaside port town um, here in Greece outside Athens. And I was, somebody asked me before I came, like if I was going to be on Tinder when I was in Greece. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that sounds kind of irresponsible, like to be on a dating app in a foreign <laughs> country where I don't speak the language, like probably not. I do think people do that, however. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little, little did I know I absolutely was on Tinder in a, oh. in a foreign country. So <laughs> Uh, Within about three days of being here, I think, I met Nico on Tinder, and um, we hit it off. Wait, how did you go from, no, I'm definitely not going to do that, to... So, this is a common thing with me. I'll say something like, oh, I would never do that, and then... Two days later, I do it. So it. it's it gets in my head. It gets stuck in my head. And I'm like, wait, why did I think that was a bad idea? Okay. So, I mean, I have tattoos that I was like, oh, I would never get that as a tattoo. And then like a week later, I was like, I think I want that as a tattoo. And my friends are going, what are you talking about? So <laughs> it's common with me. Okay. Got Anyways, it. I was on Tinder. Um, we met, we texted a little bit, and we planned um, a date for late one night. So I actually, um, when I'm here in Greece... I work Chicago time. So I'm Mm -hmm. online like 4 p.m. in Greece, basically until bedtime. So I was telling him before we were supposed to have our first date, like, well, I could see you after work because I work until probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So I was like, we could get drinks or something, um, but it would have to be pretty late. In Greece, 11 o'clock is like the time that you go out anyway. So it was like a nothing for him. Like in America, you're like, Oh, you want to hang out at 11 o'clock at night? That's kind of a red flag here. It was not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, right. Here, not a big deal at all. We met up that first night. He drove me home afterward on his moped, which was just such a dream. I felt like I was in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, my God. And then I figured, like, I would never see him again. Like, it's a Tinder date. (laughs) That's what a Tinder date is. You hang out, you have a great time, and you never see each other again. Um, But we texted a little bit. Is that how Tinder works? Oh, my gosh, yes. If you were... If you're trying to hook up with somebody, Tinder's great. Okay. Um, I'm like outing myself here. Oops. If you are um, trying to go on dates, Bumble might be a better fit. If you okay. are looking for your person, your long-term relationship, go straight to Hinge. Skip all the okay. others. So funny. I met my boyfriend on Hinge. I met Michael on Hinge. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we went on a date. I figured that was it. And then we went on a second date and then we went on a third date. And then all of a sudden we were seeing each other every day. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say I was two weeks into my Greek vacation and couldn't come back to Chicago winter, that's probably 60% of the truth. And the other 40% yeah. is that I couldn't imagine leaving him so so soon. Like, oh my gosh, it sounds so we, delicious. Right. We had just started dating. I was like, I can't go back to America now. Like, we're just getting into it. So yeah. I extended it for a month. So I was here for two months and we were dating the entire time. Oh, my um, gosh. There was, I think, one week where he was away on a trip. Um, and there was one weekend where I went to visit a friend in Poland. Because um, when you're in Europe, it's easy to just drop into Poland. So yeah. um, there were like, yeah, maybe a total of eight days where we didn't see each other over those oh two gosh. months. Okay, and then when you came back and you were moving, that's when you yeah. and I hung out. Yeah. And at that point, you were sort of like, I don't really know. Like, we're in touch, but I don't really know. And then next thing I know, you're going back to Greece. <laughs> so we didn't set a plan. We didn't 
commit or decide anything um, when I was leaving. We said, you know, we really like each other. We want to see each other again, but we didn't have anything set in stone. While I was here over the winter, we talked about, you know, that I would come back. We talked about that he would come see me in the States, but we didn't have any plans set. And so um, I was trying to protect myself and not get my hopes up. And so I was thinking, you know, this is probably it. Like, I'll get back and we probably won't talk again. And that's okay. Like trying to work myself up to that's okay. Yeah. Um, But then we were still talking almost every day when I was in the States. um, And the Mm -hmm. time difference is kind of insane. So it started, we would just talk a little bit, like just check in every now and then. And there's, there would be days or even weeks where we would go and not talk at all. And I would try not to worry about it. Like we both have lives outside of each other and we live across the world. So it's, it's not a big deal. And then it got to a point of, we were texting um, like three times a day. So when he would wake up in the morning, I would be going to bed and we would text a little bit at that point. And then when he was getting done with work, I would be waking up for the day. So we would text a little bit then. And then when I was going to bed, um, he would be, I forget. But anyway, so we would have like three times during the day where our schedules lined up and we could talk. Yeah. And sometimes we would talk at one of those points. Sometimes we would talk at two of those points. And then it got to a point where we were talking at all three of them. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, this is like, he's putting in the work. And I was dating other people in the States who were putting in significantly less work than he was. Hmm. Um, Did he know you were dating people still? Yes. So, so I should have said this, this is like a big part of the relationship. So Hmm. he does not believe in monogamy. He thinks it's an unrealistic expectation for people. And when we first started dating, that really scared me. I was like, oh, this is never going to work. Like I can't be in an open relationship. I would be so jealous or insecure or whatever. And it's true. I am all of those things. Um, (laughs) I am working through them in therapy and I'm processing them and I'm leaning into it and I'm figuring out why I feel those things. And I am actually loving being in an open relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I love that, that when I'm especially griefy that I can like shut down to all of my romantic relationships and I can just be by myself and I don't have to share it with anybody and Mm -hmm. none of them question it. Like it's not that I'm someone's only source of intimate connection. Everyone I'm Mm -hmm. dating is also dating someone else. And so I really appreciate that. When it's hard is when I'm in a foreign country to see Greek boyfriend and Greek boyfriend has a date with someone else. Mm. And it's a little tricky. But for the most part, I I really, really appreciate that I'm in an open relationship. And I tell Nico that I am thankful to him for kind of introducing me to this new lifestyle, worldview, whatever, um, that's actually really working for me. Yeah, I can see where, I mean, it's a lot of emotional work to be in a relationship with one person. And so I can see some benefits to that. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of like, I mean, my relationships are very surface level because there are many of them. So I, I, it, like you said, it's a lot of emotional labor to be in a relationship with one person. Do you crave more depth? Sometimes, but honestly, the depth that I want, I'm finding in friendships or in memories of Michael, like the depth Mm -hmm. that I want, I want with Michael. I don't want it with anyone that I'm dating now. Um, I don't want it in a new relationship. I want it with Michael. And so it's yeah. it's more fulfilling to me to find that depth through journaling, through therapy, through conversations with friends than in relationships. And yeah. I don't think that's forever, but for now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also feel like because you have mentioned therapy several times, I'm going to pause here in the episode yeah. to talk about better health. Absolutely. Yeah. I just feel like I'm so freaking excited. I got sponsored by them because heck yes, it's like the perfect fit. And every single, every single person I interview talks about therapy. I'm like, yes, because therapy matters. It's important. 
So I'm not sure what kind of griever you are, but I have always been the kind that really wanted to talk to everybody who would listen about what this experience has been like for me, because to me, it feels like being in a foreign country and I am just constantly shocked about this experience. And at a certain point, I'm sure this was just perceived, but I was just starting to feel like I was taxing my friends and overtaxing them by constantly talking to them about my grief. And I didn't want my friendships to be only about that. So I started really feeling like I needed somebody else to talk to, which is when I looked into therapy. I have done therapy for about a year now, exclusively online. It has been so incredible because my kids can just be like playing or watching a movie or having their screen time or whatever. And I've been able to develop this really deep relationship with my therapist and get the support that I've needed and really wise counsel and an objective person who's paid to do that. And you sort of take the pressure of friendship out of it. So if you are not yet in therapy, I just believe therapy is for everyone and BetterHelp is a really amazing option that gives you so many choices, including grief therapy or therapy for your teens or even couples therapy. If you are in a new relationship, that's something that you could try out with your new partner. Of course, we have a code. It is BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash dating after death, and you will get 10% off that first month of membership. If you're not in therapy yet, maybe try it out. What do you have to lose? So how did you decide to go back? I was at a friend's house and I was visiting. Um, so my best friend since seventh grade um, got married several years ago and um, had a baby recently. And so I went to visit and hang out and help with the baby and, and meet my niece and stuff like that. And while I was there, um, Nico and I were texting a little bit more than usual and I was missing him a little bit more than usual. And I kind of just on a whim, not on a whim. I mean, I'd been thinking about it ever since I had left, but sort of on a whim, like looked at flights and looked at Airbnbs and realized like, oh, this is totally attainable. Yeah. Um, I had a, you know, travel credit card. And so I looked at my points and I had enough points that I had accumulated that I could afford a flight. So I Mm -hmm. went ahead and booked it. Um, I found an Airbnb that's really close to his. So unlike Mm -hmm. last time where I was in like a port seaside town. This time I'm a 10 minute walk to his apartment, which is really Mm. awesome. Super convenient. And I just went ahead and booked it and decided to come back. Yes. So while you're there, I heard you saying he's having some other dates. Yes. Um, But is there more focus on your relationship since you're there temporarily? Yes. So we see each other every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. He either stays at my place or I stay at his. Um, It's actually, so at first... I was stressed that he didn't offer to let me stay with him. Um, I was stressed that I was going to have to get an Airbnb. And now actually being here and honestly leading up to it as well, I am so thrilled that I have my own space. It's incredible. Mm. Like I can move the furniture around. Mm. I can cry in the living room. I can walk around (laughs) naked. Not that I can't walk around (laughs) naked at his place, but like there's just so much more freedom and I can, I don't have to worry about like where my stuff is and his space. And there've been times that I went to visit other boyfriends um, and I would like unpack my stuff at their place. And then I just feel like I'm in the way and I don't have any of that here. Um, Especially since I'm here for a month, it's a really long time to be a house guest. So I'm thrilled that I have my own space. Yeah. Good decision. What's been the best part of being there? Um, Oh, well, you asked a different question. Does he have other oh. dates? So yes, yes, he does. So he um, had a date with someone who has a crazy busy schedule. And so he had to go see like, it just it was bad timing, essentially, that the time that she had free happened to be the time that I was here. Yeah. That's been the only time that we've been apart. Um, and then he's 
texting people that he's seeing. I'm texting people that I'm seeing. Um, yeah. And we we don't talk in depth um, about our other relationships, but we both know that there are other relationships. Um, yeah. And I'm someone who wants to know more. Um, he's not super comfortable telling me more because he hasn't been in relationships in the past with people who wanted to know more. And so we're still mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. Whereas I'm seeing someone back in Chicago who um, he has a partner, a long-term partner, and I'm kind of his girlfriend on the side, which I love because it's so little commitment. Um, that's been going on for a while. It has. Yeah. Okay. Cause um, I think that started around when I came to visit yeah, you. It's been since, since I got back from Greece. So since February, yeah. Okay. On and off, but, but pretty, yeah. pretty consistent. Yeah. And so like with him, like I know his partner's name. Um, like I know a lot about his relationship where with Greek boyfriend, like I know very little, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. I would be com- I would be comfortable knowing more, but he's not comfortable telling more, which sure. is fine. Can you give us some like little tidbits about what you guys have been doing? Absolutely. So this last weekend was <laughs> Labor Day weekend. So I already had Monday off work. I took Friday off work as well. Um, and we took the ferry out to the island of Andros. We stayed in Batsi for one night and we stayed in the Hora for two other nights. The Hora is like the like town square of the islands. So every island mm-hmm. has its own like central town so we stayed outside that um and we went to the beach every day we um just like walked around explored there was a waterfall we went swimming at um basically we had a whole weekend of doing absolutely nothing like we had no plans we just said you know here's an airbnb for one night here's an airbnb for the other two nights and we'll just do whatever we want on the days Um, and that's what we did i had several emotional breakdowns and he was so incredibly patient with me and asked Hmm. all the right questions and let me phone a friend on several occasions like allowed (laughs) me to seek comfort in someone other than him which I really appreciated and there was one point where I got mad about something like he didn't do anything wrong but I got mad at him and he was like can you explain to me what I did wrong and I was like can we talk about it later I need to calm down and after I had calmed down I said you didn't do anything wrong I just got upset and he was like okay I'm glad to hear you admit it and I was like yeah you didn't do anything wrong it's fine (laughs) but he's he's just been so like he's been so secure in our relationship like he lets me feel and he lets me tell him like at first his tendency was to try and cheer me up and he doesn't do Mm -hmm. that anymore which I love Mm -hmm. because I I told him I need you to let me be sad and I know it's a downer I know you don't want to feel sad but I just need to um he's great with that yes and then also he's a tour guide um and so he he does the same tour out to um Cape Sunio and the Temple of Poseidon he does this every day sometimes twice a day and about once a week I get to go with him which is incredible Oh, that's so fun. Yes. And he's ridiculously handsome. He's so handsome. <laughs> he's so Look handsome. Like, no. <laughs> it's it's insane. It's truly insane. Yeah. Yes. I feel grateful to be in your close friend circle. <laughs> right. <laughs> to get to see the photos. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you want to tell me, like in general, before we get to quick questions? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So what I've really been struggling with lately is this is not what I envisioned for my life. Mm. And I love it. Yes, that's right where I am. And I had to go through such tremendous loss to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't trade what I have for what I had. And I wouldn't like, it's just, it's so not fair. Like it just doesn't line up. There's no, doesn't make any sense because if I had to choose, I couldn't. I couldn't choose between my life with Michael and the life I have now. Like, 
they're both incredible. And it's not fair that I have this life now. And it's not fair that I love this life now. Like, wouldn't grief be so much easier if I was just miserable every day and I hated it? No, I don't think it would be easier. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I don't think so. You're making the most of your situation. Yeah. That's been my, my issue lately is I love my life and mm-hmm. I hate that I have this life. I hate it. Yeah. But I love it. It doesn't it's make any such sense. A weird place to be. I know my one of my best friends just said to me this weekend. Do you think anything about your life right now could have happened if your husband didn't die? And I was like, nothing. No, like almost nothing would be the yeah. same, except the house I'm living in. Right. It's wild. I'm like everything that's happening is because he died. Yeah. And like, there's so much beauty in it, and so many good things coming out of it, and my brain doesn't know what to do with that. Right. Same. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. All right, let's do some quick questions. Okay. So I re- we already know that you've done online dating, but can you tell us, like, did you try all the things? What did you try? Yeah, online dating, yes. Uh, Michael and I met on Hinge. I've done Tinder since we broke up. I've done Field, which is for non-traditional dating. It's yep. for specifically for open relationships. I think that's it. I won't do Hinge again because it feels like sacred because I met Michael mm. there. Um, mm. maybe eventually someday if I'm looking for a partner, but right now well, I'm not. According to what you told me in three days, you'll be on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll change my mind immediately. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, did you put your widow status on your profile? I do. I get it out of the way. Um, partially it lets me vet people cause what they mm-hmm. say based on that is a game changer. I mean, it's a deal breaker for sure. So if they have some stupid, witty response like well can i help you feel better no No. you cannot unmatch (laughs) goodbye Unmatch. what do you say about it i say lost my husband to covid in 2021 and looking for companionship um looking for friends who aren't afraid of big feelings i just lay it all out there that's perfect do you ever see yourself getting married again someday i really don't know i have no idea all right i think that's like the right answer yeah (laughs) No, there's no wrong answer. It's just right. Yeah. There's like so many things in life. Um, how about kids? Do you hope to have kids someday? Michael and I wanted kids. I currently am thoroughly enjoying being child free. I'm so <laughs> thrilled that I'm child free. Um, I do not see myself changing my mind. I see myself leaning really into relationships with my nieces and nephews, um, being the crazy fun aunt, bringing home (laughs) exotic gifts from foreign countries, Mm -hmm. bringing my exotic lovers to the family barbecue. Um, (laughs) Just to make everybody uncomfortable. (laughs) That's the identity I'm leaning into these days. Perfect. (laughs) So we talked all about um, sexual experiences with genders other than your partner. Did you have any sleepovers in your bed that you shared with Michael? At first, no. I actually moved out of our bedroom almost immediately, um, and I mm. put our bed in storage. Uh, about a year later, I moved, and now I have had sleepovers in that bed, but it's in a different bedroom, and so it yeah. feels less sacred. Yeah, for sure. Would you date somebody named Michael or who looks no, like him? I would not date someone named Michael. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't date someone who looks like him. Yeah. Okay. I also, as a side note, can't yeah. date someone named Cat. I tried. Oh. It didn't work. It's my <laughs> name. You can't have my name. Anyway. Yeah. I could see where that would get awkward. Yeah. Did you feel the widow's fire? Oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. How long did it take? I, I, a couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I was really struggling too with like the moral side of sexuality at that point. And so I didn't, I didn't lean into it much. Um, mm. You shared a post about like masturbation that just like hit home for me. Like mm. sex by myself was so important in those first few months. Um, yeah. Yeah. So important. Yeah. I felt, I always found like so visceral, like it yes. just felt like the, the way that I could really connect with him the most in any yes. setting. Yeah. Yeah. I could be the most with Michael in those times. Yeah. And then, and then like so many times too, after that, I would just roll over and cry because it was like, yeah. this yeah. is not how this is supposed to end. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's talk about your song recommendations. Do you remember what they are? I don't. Tell me. Okay. <laughs> Let me look. Okay. The first one you said was Hey Stupid, I Love You by JP. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's so, so in my, in my dating post death, dating after death, if you will, um, I started <laughs> doing, <laughs> if I started doing a lot of research in attachment theory, um, looking at anxious and avoidant and secure attachment. Um, mm. That also came right around when I started dating Greek boyfriend. And this is just such an example of secure attachment. The song reminds me what I had with Michael, um, what a healthy relationship looks like. It reminds mm. me not to settle for anything other than this. Like this mm -hmm. is what a secure relationship looks like. And it's what a, a relationship that's fueling and that's that's life-giving looks like. Mm. I'm going to have to listen to that one. Yeah. And I'm Here For You, Babe, by Logan yes. Pilcher. Uh, so Logan Pilcher is a songwriter friend of mine um, who mm. lived, lived in Florida when I lived in Florida. And this song is so sweet and cute. Um, one of the lines is, I may not be your first choice, but I swear I'll be the last. Um, oh. It's this just this idea of like, we've both been through a lot, but I'm here for you. And it's great, yeah. um, romantic or otherwise. It's just a really nice reminder of like, relationships are not a dream always. Like sometimes yeah. they are, but a lot of times it's just kind of, you get dealt a shitty hand in life. And can I say shitty? Oops. Yeah. And it's all the time. <laughs> great. And it is what it is. And your, your, your friends, your relationships, your lovers are going to be there for you in whatever it is. Awesome. Okay. Two more big questions. The first is how do you feel like you're changing the most since Michael died? So I was already really myself with Michael mm -hmm. and I feel like somehow I am unapologetically me even more now than I was then, um, yeah. which I think people who knew me then would like laugh out loud. Like I was already unapologetically myself. Like I never had yeah. any issue being myself, but I think I'm just way less likely now to make excuses for people to, to hide who I am. Um, I mean, even lately, like with dating Greek boyfriend and, and other relationships, like I'm not sharing a lot of that openly on social media. I share it with close friends. I share it yeah. um, with like smaller circles, but I, I'm really frustrated with that because I just want to be myself. Like I'm so annoyed mm. that I can't just like share pictures of Greek boyfriend on my social media. Like, but What's it's because I don't want to, I don't want to answer the questions from people and I don't want to mm. deal with people who feel like they have an in in my life, but they don't. I don't want to be the one to tell them that they don't. I see. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, I feel like I'm, I'm more willing to be myself these days. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Final question is what's something you're really looking forward to? Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Nico tonight. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly. Yeah. So 
I have two more weeks here with him, which is just a complete dream. And then mm. he'll come to Chicago to see me yes. for three weeks in November, December. So he'll be there for Thanksgiving and he'll That's get to meet some of my friends. to be in Chicago. <laughs> I know. So... <laughs> Uh, it's going to be so fun. So that's what I'm excited for right now. Wow. Three weeks. Is he going to stay with you? Yes. Wow. Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> I am sure. So we're planning at least two trips. So we'll go to DC for a long weekend. We'll go to Kentucky for a week for Thanksgiving. So we'll be in my apartment for very little of those three weeks. So it just okay. doesn't make sense for him to have an Airbnb somewhere else because he wouldn't use yeah. it. Wait, is he coming to your family's Thanksgiving? No. Oh, okay. So my family's never really done Thanksgiving, like family Thanksgiving, because our extended family is kind of all over the place. So we would always just go to somebody else's like widows and orphans Thanksgiving, like somebody with a big family who also lets everybody come to their Thanksgiving. Okay, cool. We would go to that. So it's very, for me, Thanksgiving is crashing someone else's family. Thanksgiving. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do when he comes. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. But he will meet my family. We'll go and see my parents. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great thing to be looking forward to. Yes. I cannot wait to see more pictures of the movie-like experience they're having in Greece. It's truly a movie. I cannot believe it. up every second. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, Kat. My pleasure. I had a great time. Okay. Bye. Bye. So Kat is actually one of the many of you who have mentioned to me that you are on the fence about the trip that we are taking to Costa Rica. If you didn't know, we are taking a trip to Costa Rica in April. It is going to be so amazing. I'm so excited. So all of these things that I'm talking about right now, like the Patreon, BetterHelp, the trip to Costa Rica, all the links and everything can be found in the show notes, which I think took me like seven years of listening to podcasts to figure out where are these show notes. So if you're one of those people, when you open up the actual episode, if like that's open on your podcast app, then you can just scroll down from the image and you will see the show notes and there's links and stuff there to make it super easy. I am reachable on Instagram through DMs. You could always email at datingafterdeathpodcast at gmail.com. Leave a review. Hit the stars. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. This fills me up, even though I truly hate that we are all here for pretty much the same reason. I am also really grateful that you're a part of this community that I love so much. So have a good week, everyone.